Hello, everybody. Welcome to the mailbag. It's just us. Close the door behind you. You, me, and Andy Brassel, that little rascal. Andy, how you doing? You really missed an opportunity to say you, me, and Andy be there. But no, no, no. no I wanted you're, to do you're the, the experienced presenter. It's up to you. It's up to you. I wanted to do the rascal Brassel business. I'm just, I've not moved on from it yet. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. <laughs> you're never moving on from it, are you? Never. Um, never Andy, how the dickens are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Spells yourself. Like a citizen of China, Andy, I can't complain. Now, we have uh, some... (laughs) Welcome to those who are listening from China, of course. Um, uh, or wherever you are around the globe. This is uh, this mailbag will be no different to the others. It does have an international flavour. Flavour! Um, David has emailed us. Uh, I don't know where David is from, but that doesn't matter because everybody's welcome, Andy, OK? Now, uh, David has said, there's a lot of chat about uh, Jules Jesus uh, returning to Benfica. Well, of course there is, David. It's great. I went to see a physio the other day. She's from Lisbon, and she was absolutely delighted with Jesus returning to uh, to Benfica, Andy, and she thinks that he's going to win the title. Well, back to David's email. He says, what is the situation at Porto? Can they fend off George Jesus winning the league on his Benfica return? It's true, Andy. There's a lot of chat about Benfica. Obviously, you mentioned them on the Ramble and on the continent uh, recently and how they were dumped out of the 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 Champions League or the uh, uh, or, or European competition so quickly. Um, what's going on with Porto? <laughs> when you told that story about um, your physio being from Lisbon, mm. I thought you were going to say, she said to you, when they start letting fans back again and again, can your dad get me some tickets? Uh-huh. Do you know what I nearly said? Oh, you know, uh, do you know Andy Brassel? Yeah, I thought you would. Um, he often likens me to uh, George Jesus, but it was <laughs> it was only it was an introduction. Uh, for, I don't know her that well, so maybe um, in time, if the old leg doesn't uh, heal as it should, and I have to book a few more lessons, and the hair grows a bit longer, I think she'll probably figure it out herself. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, Georges is the centre of all conversations in Portugal at the moment for a reason. They've invested a lot in bringing him back and they've invested so much in players. And because um, they have invested so much in players, it, it sort of makes the title race a, a bit of a strange one, really, because um, there's not really been that much discussion about the, the, the champions. As, as David says, I, I can't remember many situations where the champions go into a season and it's just presumed they'll lose the title, even though they've not really done anything in the meantime, personally, mm. to really suggest that that would be the case. Now, Porto have been under their FFP thumb for a while. Um yeah. They're still not completely out of it, so that that is an issue. Um, when we talk about how uh, COVID and a post-COVID environment has affected various teams financially, Porto are up there because when he was going for election, and of course when people are going for presidential election, they're prone to at least minor exaggeration. George Nuno Pinto de Costa, the president of Porto, said, well, look, before COVID was lined up, uh, uh, before COVID was... Um, an issue I had 140 million euros worth of, of sales lined up that was sort of in riposte 
to um, people who'd, who'd, who'd suggested that maybe he didn't have quite the tight financial reign on the club that he once did. And maybe he's not as successful at selling players as he once was. That second part is indisputable. He's not. Um, and, you know, they've seen top players like Hector Herrera, Yasin Brahimi walk away for nothing in the, the, the last couple of years, which is a, a real concern. And, you know, that's that, that's happened to other players as well. Uh-huh. Um, so the, the, they have got to um, get money in the, in this spell before October 5th um, mm. is, is a given. Um, so at the moment we don't know what sort of team that Porto are going into full season with. Um, we, we we can't really um, we 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 can't really figure it out just yet. Um, what has worked quite well for them, as always, Uncle George has got involved. Uh, George oh, yeah. Mendes, um, who is someone who's worked with and out of Porto for quite a long time, um, was. Thus, given the brief, sell some players, get some cash. And uh, with the sales of uh, Fabio Silva and um, also uh, Vitinha, who I, I strongly suspect his, his move will become permanent once his, his, his year's loan is up, um, they've already trousered a, a, a decent amount of cash. That doesn't mean there aren't more players to sell. Um, I, I would suspect that Alex Telesh, the the left back, will will go, and he will be a huge loss because yeah. um, he's not only a good defender; he's such an incredible attacking conduit for them. He, he um, scores goals from penalties and free kicks. Um, he was their top scorer for a spell, even last season. He creates goals at an incredible lick. Um, it's a bit of a hot spot for Porto because uh, Miguel Leon, the um, uh, Mexican utility player who played left back for for Porto after leaving Watford for them, he actually created. I think twenty goals in the in the season that he was at Porto alone. Actually, recently um, recovered from cancer, but I think Telesh will be a a big miss for them. But they've already been out in the market and tried to try to replace. They've um, gone to Santa Clara and bought uh, Zaidu, um, who that, that they think will slot in there. But I think if you look at the sort of players that that Porto have brought in. You look at their, their their players from other Liga Nosh clubs, generally, apart from uh, Evan Nielsen, the Brazilian striker. So I think that tells you where they're at. In terms of transfer spending, they can't come anywhere near competing with, with Benfica. Um, I think there's a sense as well that they won't overstretch themselves because whereas um, it's an election year, both for Benfica and Porto, the election has already happened. At Porto, so um, Pinto de Costa doesn't have to go out and spend loads of money they don't have um, to say, yeah, well, you know, it's a new era of success under me. You know, look at the size of my car, sort of thing. <laughs> Whereas um, Luis Felipe Vieira is very much in that 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 ballpark where you know he wants to give this image of success and, and affluence. Now they're the other side of not qualifying for the Champions League. Spending that amount of money seems a bit daft and they seem to have Benfica, a slightly bigger squad than they actually need. So it'd be interesting to see what they do before deadline. Um, I I, I will slightly reserve judgment on Porto because, as I said, there are players who who might go before 
before a deadline and you look at um, Otavio, you look at Musa Marega, who's brilliant in the home straight for them last season, the forward. Um, but I will always at least partially believe in Porto while Sergio Conceição is there. Now, he's only got a year left on his contract and I would not be surprised if he ends up going to Serie A at, at some point. Um, they've talked to him about a new contract, but he's he's not gone all in because I don't think he knows what the team is going to look like, like the rest of us, in two months, let alone mm-hmm. six months. Um, You've been impressed with he, Sergio he always wants, out, haven't you, Andy? Really impressed, because mm. he kind of divides opinion because um, amongst some Porto fans, because some Porto fans believe, well, he sort of sacrifices some of the, the, the principles of great football we've had in the past. But if you look at the, the players that he's got to work with, mm-hmm. compared to, say... Josualdo Ferreira or Andrew Village Boas, never mind Jose Mourinho. There, there is no comparison. And he has got a tune out of those players and he's created a toughness and a winning mentality. I mean, winning the league twice in three years under the economic conditions that he's faced is yeah. little short of a miracle. And he's made them competitive in Europe as well. So I think that has to be enormously respected. Of course, when he does get to, or if he does get to Italy, um, style's not going to be a problem and he knows that already and you know he's, he's got um, a strong history in in Italian football I wonder if Pippo Inzaghi goes somewhere he might end up going back to his old club Lazio and and, and doing a job there I think that's something you could imagine yeah. him succeeding um, but either way even though Benfica are not just the favourites to win the league they have to win the league um, especially after what's happened in Europe um so have a prediction from it, your Brassel. I think they will, but I think it'll be closer than a lot of people think. And there will be various points in the season where there's a lot of pressure on George Jesus. How do you know what a lot of people are thinking, Andy? You've got in trouble for this before, you know. <laughs> it's called telepathy, Marcus. Ah, I knew you were going to say that. And break the hearts of Benfica again. It's Kevin Galmero. It's the Viet Cup. And the curse continues for Benfica. Got an email here from Mark in Australia. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, 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 and all that. Uh, He says, I noticed that Andy Brassel's beloved Leon, (laughs) he's got you, Andy, are not in European competition this season. How will this potentially impact the club? Because as far as I'm aware, they're always in European competition. Well, you're absolutely right, Mark. Andy, you you mentioned to me fairly recently, actually, when I was trying to... uh, force you into buying a Leon uh, a, a discount priced Leon training jacket for some reason yes that, uh, that Leon ha- have not qualified uh, for the Europa League or the Champions League for the first time in a couple of decades is that right well yes 22 years in fact since oh. Leon last didn't qualify for Europe which is extraordinary and um it, it does require a rethink on a, on a on a number of levels. And it's a really weird sort of time to rethink, of course, because, of course, that they, they reached the Champions League semi-final for only the second time ever, just a couple of weeks ago. And now they have to prepare mm. for this non-European future, at least for, for this season. Um, so a lot of the stuff that's been coming out of the club has been... We just need to get the size of the squad down because, of course, immediately people expect you to sell your big players. The way they've 
tried to approach it is just by making the squad smaller in getting rid of the players that they don't see as being key. So you look at uh, Martin Terrier's gone. The two non-first choice left backs, Kenny Tete and uh, Rafael, were, were were let go as well. Um, Marcel went. Um, Amin Guiri went, which was a little bit more controversial um, because he was a, he was a young player who people thought could could do something in the future. Bertrand Traore is on his way to to, to Aston Villa, and I, I suspect that will be completed by the time people listen to this. Um, so it's just about getting a smaller core group of top players. Obviously, there will be a couple who are going to go anyway. Uh, a couple of top ones who are going to go anyway. And Memphis is, is is the obvious one. Again, still at Lyon um, as as we, we speak because um, Barcelona need to clear a bit of space off their wage bill before they can, can actually sign him. But if Lyon are getting the, the sort of money that we expect from Barcelona for a player with less than a year left on his contract, which would represent a profit on what they paid Manchester United, I, I don't think you can really complain that much. Um, but it, it it is really unusual when a, a club spends, you know, it, it's a, a, a two decades in one culture of doing things. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, hang on. I've got no European matches to play. They've got no Coupe de la Ligue this season either because, of course, the final between Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon um, themselves was the last ever game in the Coupe de la Ligue because they've, they've, they've binned it. Um, it is an opportunity for Rudy Garcia, though, once he gets to know what his actual squad that he's going to go in the season um, to with on, on October the 6th because he's going to get the sort of time to work with players that a club of that size, a coach of a club of that size, never normally gets. So that that'll be that'll be quite interesting for them. But you know, Leon as a club could could change a lot in in the in the coming years because um, Jean Michel Olas is setting up a successor to him, himself. He he hopes to um, retire at some point in the future, and he's lining up uh, Tony Parker, the uh, former. Uh, San Antonio Spurs player um, who's got a lot of business interest in Lyon, who owns the basketball club Asvel uh, in Lyon as well, who, who were the champions last year mm-hmm. of, of France. He's lining them up as his successor. Of course, Janino, the, the, the greatest player in the history of the club, in my opinion, is now the sporting director. And he will have learned a lot from from that first year in which he made his fair share of mistakes, starting with of course, appointing Silvino as, as the coach and he, he didn't turn out to be very good. So um, there's a lot of new possibilities for them. But whatever happens next, what we do know is it's all going to be underpinned by um, by the youth academy, which it always is. Um, you know, the last time they ran out of money when Claude Puel spent it all on rubbish players, um, <laughs> that, 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 they, they went back and they brought through um, Lacazette, Fekir, Tolisso, Untiti, players like that, which were obviously part of a great generation, but it's such a prolific academy. And mm-hmm. now you've got uh, Ryan Shirky, who, um, if a couple of those forward players go, and you know, Usem Alwar, another a- a- academy product, might be one of those. We have to we have to wait and see. Um, Shirky's only seventeen; he's he's going to get more chances. Uh, Melvin Barr, the the left back, who um, 
at one point looked as if he was on the way to Bayern, but has now signed a new contract and is going to stay because he sees a route to the first team. Um, he's someone who's, who's, who's got a lot of talent as well. So, you know, that, that even if we don't know exactly how this season is going to pan out and, you know, even if Garcia is going to stay long-term, if, if, if the club wants him to stay, if he wants to stay long-term, if, if, if the ambitions are sort of adjusted, I can see them getting back into Europe this season. I, I think it'll be a bit of a climb to to get back into the Champions League, even though there is the talent to do it, just because there is this high turnover. Um, but, you know, you always know it's going to be underpinned by those young players who are so, such a huge part of the club's identity. It's a bit of a shame that uh, with PSG having a bit of a wobble at the start of the season, Andy, that that Leon haven't uh, thought to themselves, do you know what? There might be an opportunity here to, to have, at least for a, for a few months, a title race or something. Well, you know what? They, uh, I think if if you look at the quality that they've got, if it wasn't for the slight restlessness around the club because of the the, the one eighty um, that they've taken, I think they they would be having a a little go. Um, you know, it's a, it's a club where there's a demand from that from the fans as as, as much as anything else. Um, but you, you know, it is. It's, it's always difficult because that, that Paris Saint-Germain are just, it's so difficult to believe because they're so much richer than everyone else mm-hmm. that, that you can really even sort of titillate them, as they say in France. Yeah. Never, never mind actually going on and winning it, but getting into a position where you can really have a go. I mean, the one signing that Leon did look at with those sort of ambitions this summer actually was Thiago Silva where Janino rung up his agent, had a little chat, and um, then like they, they, they spoke for a bit, very cordial discussion, and uh, Janino uh, filed it in his um, contacts book of, no, there's no way we can come anywhere near his wages, <laughs> which is, is, is the same reason they're not bringing Samuel Umtiti back, because Barcelona would have loved to make Umtiti part of the deal to take... Um, Memphis to Barcelona, but they just they just can't afford any, anything like that, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, but you know they're they're they're, they're still ambitious, and uh, they 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 will be they will be having a go. There's 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 absolutely no doubt about that. But if they could get top three, that would still be a a, a really good result out of this season. Because of course, when we talk about like going one eighty, the other thing is. And of course, there are a lot of clubs over Europe saying, oh, we've not had a proper pre-season. Lyon have had, or I guess French clubs have had um, a better pre-season than a lot because their league finished so early, even though some of them have, have been disrupted by COVID. The problem for Lyon is they did a pre-season for the Champions League. So they did a pre-season where they practiced not having the ball. And now they're going into league matches where they do have the ball, where they're expected to have the ball and where they're expected to to, to, to make the play. So it, it's a complete change of attitude, In again, in the space of two, three weeks. And, and so that's going to take a little period of adjustment as well. Yeah, I see, Andy. Well, we wish them well, of course. Um, Andy, I let's wish finish. them well, yes. <laughs> well, you love them, that's why. Um, Andy, let's, <laughs> let, let's finish with... Uh, 
something that I'd like to ask you because Martin Odegaard, that young, talented Scandinavian chap, is returning to Real Madrid. I remember you mentioning him a little while ago, uh, saying this and and uh, you know whether he'd play, whether he wouldn't, how he may fit in, blah blah blah. Um, so a, a quick word now, what you think on Odegaard, but also this. Um, situation that some players find themselves in going back to parent clubs they've been out on loan especially if they've been on loan for a few years they're going back to their parent clubs and players you think who who are going back might do quite well yeah I, th- I think Odegaard's a really really interesting one because um you you look at him and you think well up until the the the, the break for, for for covid he was I don't think it's unfair to say that the best player outside of Real Madrid and Barcelona in La Liga last season. Mm. I mean, that's um, that's the kind of potential we wanted to see, to see him fulfill. You don't uh, want absolutely. him to become the the guy who then just kind of is a bit part player aside and he's relegated, and then we don't hear of him again. But it's it's funny, Marcus. I don't know about you. I never thought that was really possible from him. I really didn't think that was that was that was possible at all. So um, to see him perform to that sort of level, when it's one thing having a nice time in the Eredivisie, to go from the Eredivisie to becoming one of the best players in La Liga in the blink of an eye, it's absolutely astonishing. I mean, he was jaw-droppingly good for two thirds of last season, and he really struggled to get the rhythm going again um, after the hiatus, which was. You know, pretty pretty tough. It, it has to be said. Um, so, I'm I'm hopeful that he'll, he'll do something for Real Madrid this season. I certainly think they could do with a player like him because, of course, we know they're doing this reconstruction, this pas- partial reconstruction of the Bernabeu at the moment, which is co- costing half a billion euros. Mm-hmm. So, not exactly swimming in transfer cash. They're expecting a bit more bang for their buck than they got from the players they signed last summer. I'm thinking of Eden Hazard. Uh, Ella Militao mm-hmm. as well. So um, I think as well, you look at their midfield, you look at the fact that their best midfielder really last season was Fede Valverde. Um, they could still do with a, a bit more new blood in, in, in that midfield. Um, Modric is really on his last legs. Casemiro, funnily enough, I, I don't think is, is what he was. And Tony Kroos, whilst remaining a good player, Again, I don't think you can really put him in the top mm-hmm. 10 midfielders of the world anymore, even even though he provides a, a huge threat from set pieces. And as long as you've got Sergio Ramos in the team, that is quite handy. Yeah. Um, Odegaard's so you think something Odeg- else. Yeah, you, so you think Odegaard, he could really do something. But what about other players going back to, to other parent clubs that you think well, they, they could finally find a place in that side? Well, I, I don't know if I'm slightly circumventing the question here but two that spring to mind were play, uh, players that were bought in January and were loaned back to their old club for the rest of last mm-hmm. season well, so okay. let's go with what, that one of those would be uh, Trincao who um, is a Barcelona player mm-hmm. and was bought on the back of like relatively little first team experience from Braga in January and he had a terrific second half of the season at, at, at Braga. Really, really good. The talent has been there. We've seen that in um, the um, Portuguese uh, various youth teams and, and, and age representative teams over the years. But to see him becoming really influential in the first team at, 
at Braga was really gratifying. When Barcelona spent the money, there was a bit of, oh, this is them paying for potential again, potential that's maybe never going to be realised. But it was one of those things that when he was bought, it was almost as if something changed in him once he he signed the deal. Because even though arguably nothing had really changed, he was still at Braga on the same wages at Braga, probably living in the same house, all that sort of stuff. It looks like it filled him with confidence. It looked like he thought, I'm a Barcelona player now. I'm going to show you exactly why I'm a Barcelona player. And he's got a lovely left foot, change of pace. Don't get overexcited, Marcus. We know there might be a gap in that sort of role in the future for Barcelona. Yep, yep. <laughs> Even though Messi scored that wonderful right-footed goal against um, Girona. Maybe maybe the, the arrival of Trincao has inspired him to um, widen his palette. Who knows? Spurring him on, Andy. It probably is. Um, but I, I think Trincao could be really great for, for them. Now, he's been linked with other loan moves. I think that would be nuts to, to, to loan him on at the moment because... He's he's come a long way and he's played pretty well in the preseason games as well. So I think that there is a sense that he could contribute immediately, not by playing every game, but certainly now and then for Barcelona. And they'll hope to have a fairly long season, um, of course, a, a fairly um, full season in, in, in various different competitions. Um, the other one that springs to mind in terms of players who were bought and loaned back, would be uh, Luca Toussaint, uh, who was bought by Hertha in, in, in January, and then loaned back to Lyon. And that was probably part of Hertha's fan base who were looking at Toussaint scoring the winner against Juventus in the first leg of that last 16 game and thinking, oh yeah, one of our players has, has, has scored in the back end of the Champions League and it's the winner against Juventus but it's not for us. <laughs> so it's slightly unfortunate that, um, you know, it's a projection of where Herta would like to be. Um, Lars Windhorst, um, the, the major investor, has, has put quite a lot of cash in um, over the last 18 months or so. Um, but from the beginning, when they were looking at names like um, Julian Draxler, um, Mario Goetze, substantially less suitable names as well who would have cost a lot of money um this to me felt like a bit of a landmark signing for uh Herta because what they're, they're looking to do and they seem to be taking the right advice and to be uh talking about it as, as, as a group not just with Bruno Labbadia the new coach um, and Michael Pritz the sporting director but, but everyone at the club sort of saying well you know what, if we're going to build a dynasty in, in Berlin, it has to be around good young players and players who can develop together. Of course, they signed Cunha as well from RB Leipzig, the Brazilian striker who couldn't really get in the team, but it's been brilliant since since he arrived there. And he looks like someone who could grow into a real superstar for them. But, you know, it's easy to to, to, to get in money and then spend it, but to get value and get what you need are two things that are a lot harder. And I think with Toussaint, they've, they've got both those things. Um, you know, I mean, he got kind of squeezed out at Leon, going back to them a bit by Janino, who rather put his foot in it in his early um, months being sporting director there, where he said, well, really, I'd like a defensive midfielder who's a bit better on the ball. And then he came out afterwards and said, I wasn't meaning to criticise Luca. And <laughs> I thought, well, maybe not. But he did basically say he's, 
he's not good enough footballer to be in your team. Tussar <laughs> um, is uh, he he can play, but he's he's basically a defensive midfielder. And I think to get the right player who can become an even better player over the next three to four years is a huge step forward for for Hertha, and it's exactly the sort of player they they should be buying. I'm guessing though, when you asked me this question, mm. that there was there was someone who you were thinking of throwing in the mix, right? Well, I, well it was Odegaard. You know, as I said at the start, you know that that kind of got me thinking. You know, someone returning from their to, to their parent club. You know, I mean, it's it's something that we see that that we've seen a couple of times at Chelsea recently. You know, when like Tammy Abraham returns or something like that, and you think, oh, that's oh. That's, that's quite rare because obviously they've. Half the half the young players in Europe seem to be on loan from Chelsea and certain clubs. I don't I don't know if that's uh, as true as it was, but no, it's always interesting. It, it, I, I always feel um, or um, Martinez, Emiliano Martinez, you know, at, uh, yeah. at Arsenal, of course. Now I know he's yeah. just gone for crying out loud, but you can sometimes feel a bit sorry for these players who have signed for a particular club, and it's you know at some point they want to get on the property ladder. They're constantly <laughs> renting, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we want to see it, and I, I think Odegaard is the epitome of that. I tell you, I tell you who I would have had. I would have had uh, Purvis Estupinian, oh. who uh, was on loan from Watford to Osasuna last year. Yeah. One of the best left backs in in La Liga, left back or wing back. Loads of imagination, really athletic. He's going to be a super player. But of course, Watford have just sold him to Villarreal who are going to do another good job, I think, with um, Takekubo, the Japanese player who belongs to Real Madrid, was on loan to Mallorca and very good for them last season. And now they've loaned him for that that next step up to Villarreal, where I think he can he can do pretty well there as, as well. It looked like he was going to Sevilla for a long time and then they, they kind of flip-flopped on the deal. But I think he's going to do a great job. And to think Kubo is going to be supported by you know, players like uh, Francis Coquelin, Danny Parejo, very experienced players who've, who've come into that midfield in Real. Although the one thing that really struck me about Estupinian, seven-year contract, seven-year contract. I mean, Seven I don't know if that's US. a reaction after like being at Watford. You know, you need as much security as we can possibly provide. So um, that's what's uh, made them go in with the, um, well, it's even bigger than Pardew's deal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, Padres was eight years, wasn't it, Newcastle? Was it eight? Was it eight? Oh, I, I thought it was six. Was... Right, eight. Yeah. Wow. Uh, is, is, is it one of those silly things... now, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> is, it's one of, yeah, but only with a month's worth of payoff. So yeah, of uh, maybe it looks silly for him. I don't, I don't know if it looks silly for, for Mike Ashley. Yeah, that's true. All right, Andy, we're now talking about Ashley and Padre. It's time for us to go. <laughs> Thank you very much for your questions, everybody. Do uh, get involved on the um, mailbag thread on, on, on the Discord. Uh, we just love hearing from you. You're such a lovely bunch. Uh, but until next time, Andy, say goodbye. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me, everybody. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.